I am Citizen 44. This is your favorite mommy. My favorite mommy? Which one is that? Your favorite one. The one that boinged you. Did it hurt? Yes. Doctor told me it went really well. And I said, fine, you can have the next one. And did he? No. So you had the next one also? I had the next one. Then you went and had another one after that? And then I said, I'll never do that again after your sister was born. And you didn't? No, I'm too tired. You mean now or then? Both. Okay. How are you feeling today, Mom? I'm okay, thank you. What did you guys do today? Nothing. Dad can't stop coughing. What are they doing to stop his coughing? He has his medicine. God willing. Does he use an inhaler? Yes. Oh, it doesn't arrest the cough? Apparently not. Oh. Got four different ones. Jesus. Is there any kind of short or long-term prognosis? He was told a year that he's going to have this problem before it would go back into remission. Oh, you're on the show. I love you. I love you too. Talk to you later. Okay, tell Dad I said hello and love him too. Is this a little girl? Yes, if you wanted to interview me. What is your name, little girl? My name is Cindy. Cindy? Cindy Susu. What? Cindy Susu. Cindy Susu? What kind of name is that? It's an East Indian name. Thank you. You're East Indian? Well, it's actually my stage name. My real name is Susu Kakapa. What? Susie Baklava? That's Russian. No, it's Susie Kakapa. Kakapa? What's that? That's my last name. Where in India are you from? I'm from... Casablanca. What? Casablanca? No, 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 no. Casablanca is not India schmuck. India schmuck? Oh, no. Schmuck in India means sweetheart. Oh, I thought a schmuck was idiot who gets out of shower to pee. No. Oh. No. I don't appreciate the way you talk. If you want to talk to me, you'll have to talk sweet. I don't really know how to do that. You want to talk to somebody else. I'd like to talk to my father. I don't even know why okay, you're on the hold phone. On a okay. Yeah. Hello. It sounds like you have a Muppet over your house. A Muppet? She's here for a weekend. She's visiting Gino. She's here for the weekend from India? No, she's here for two months, but she's visiting Gino for the weekend. Oh, you mean like a prostitute? Kind of. Oh, okay. Mom said I should call you. What's on your mind? I was talking to Mom yesterday, and she said that you're coughing so much that you can't talk. And it was actually a very depressive beginning of my show, so I thought it would be important to call you and make sure you were able to talk a little bit and you were still alive. Yes, I am. Okay. Very much so. Well, you actually sound much better today. I feel better today. Okay. She said you were not good yesterday. I was not at all. Oh. How bad I was? I was supposed to go to the casino Monday, and I didn't go. Wow, you must have been feeling horrible if you weren't willing to go gamble. That's true. Yeah, okay. I'm not on the radio, am I? Dad, this is not radio. Not radio, well, you, whatever it is. Anyway, but everything else is good. I mean, if I start talking a long time, I'll cough. I love you, but I yeah. don't want to talk a long time. I love you, too. I just wanted to check on you. Happy New Year to you and Mom, and I love you guys. Thank you. I just wanted okay. to check in with you and see how you're doing. 
Well, I appreciate it. Thank yeah. you. All right. Love you, Dad. Love you, too. Have a great year. You, too. See you later. Hey, everybody. Mark Ahrensberg here. Welcome to Citizen 44. This is show number 55. Today's guest on the show is Brian Howe. Brian Howe is the former lead singer of the band Bad Company, and he is a badass dude still singing like a crazy rock star at 65 years old. Yep, he's still going out there and killing it on stage. Super stoked to have him on the show. Still here in Moscow, Idaho. All is good. The weather's cooling down. I understand it gets particularly cold here. Can't imagine it's all that much colder than Ashland, Oregon, but we'll see. My goal is to remain in Moscow, Idaho for the next 12 months. It is the only way I can have a full seasonal experience of this new environment. So I'm stoked to stick it out. I have high hopes for this town. I wanna hang out here. You know, of course, go back and, and be with my children. I'm gonna have my first Moscow guest on the show coming up. My buddy, Benedetta, Benedetta. She's my Acacia Land here in Moscow. Those of you who are listening in Ashland know who I speak of in Beyond High Regard, one of those instrumental individuals when I arrived in the uh, nurturing bosom of Ashland, Oregon, who helped flip me inside out. Benedetta, better known by the name of Tony, married to a super cool guy named Zach and they own Palouse Juice on Main Street, make killer vegan food and drinks, and just a very thoughtful, unlikely, unique place here in Moscow, Idaho. All is pretty good here. You're gonna hear a little bit from my parents and uh, Mr. Rich Reese. Here we go with the Big Fat Show. Hello, Brian. Hello. How are you, brother? I'm good, man. What's going on? Oh, you know, living the dream out here in Ashland, Oregon, about to be covered in smoke from all the fires that are coming from Northern California. Oh, you still got that going on? It goes on every year, dude. And it starts happening the 5th of July. Oh, boy. Burning ourselves to the ground. Yeah. I actually live in a spectacular place. It's really quite beautiful. It's called Ashland, Oregon kind of the Beverly Hills of Southern Oregon, just over the California border to the north. Uh, but every year in the past five years, we've been engulfed in smoke. Jeez. Enough Good. of me. How about you? How are you feeling today, Brian? So great. We've got Sweden tomorrow. That's all I care about. What do you got tomorrow? Uh, Sweden and the World Cup. Right. And you must be very happy about the other day. Yeah, I'm even happier today because Brazil just got beat. So now that's one of our main competitors out. So we're in with a real charm. I don't know anything about this stuff. Other than playing football, soccer as a child, was never really into watching it competitively, but I think that's just uh, the culture I come from. That's fine. No problem. Okay. I can still talk to you. It's okay. Yeah, I'll let you. Okay, thanks. How's your physical health these days? Wonderful. Not a problem. Okay. Absolutely, totally fixed. That's fantastic. And, uh, I know you had a episode not too long ago. How did that go down? Yeah, I had what they call a widow maker. And uh, 
my cardiologist calls me Mr. 2%, because 2% of the people that he treats with this are alive. 2% are alive, meaning high percentage that you would not have survived your episode. Oh, they didn't expect me to get through it. I was in a coma for three or four days, and they thought I'd be brain damaged. Wow. But, you know, probably I am. Well, who isn't, Brian? Exactly, exactly. Like it would be a noticeable difference between any of us. Exactly, exactly. So <laughs> with a lot of help from a lot of people, I managed to get myself back into some semblance of fitness. And uh, I'm not eating red meat anymore. I just stick with, uh, let's say, a healthier diet. Well, good, man. Well, you know, sometimes we need that brick to fall out of the sky and pop us in the chest so we can uh, get another lease on life, as it were. Yeah, man. When did you have your cardiac episode? That was September 26th. Of last year? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Did you have anything hanging in the balance, like a tour or anything that had to be rescheduled? Yeah, I had a European tour that I was due to leave for, oh gosh, uh, about two weeks later. And obviously, that had to be canceled. Yeah, how'd that go down? I mean, it's already complicated to set something like that up. You know, obviously, there was no way around it. Right, so, of course. Uh, I don't really know because I was unconscious for three or four days. And then after that, it took me a while to get my faculties back, you know. So touring wasn't part of my worry schedule, if you know what I mean. No, no, of course. I had other things to worry about. But the tour itself was going to be a bit of a nightmare. I had a gut feeling that it was very badly organized. So I'm not going to say I wished the heart attack. Probably a blessing Huh. Isn't all of it really, if we look at it from as many sides as humanly possible, all this stuff happens to us for a damn good reason, usually brought on by ourselves. But it is pretty fascinating that you had to have something pretty catastrophic happen in order to get out of doing it. Yeah. This past weekend, you were doing a charity thing in Cleveland? Yeah, for the, the Akron Children's Hospital. And uh, it was a worthwhile cause, and they raised a shitload of money. And the people there are so generous with their time and with their money. It's amazing how many rich people attended the date, you know. It's pretty amazing. Well, moms and dads and grandparents, and it was for Akron Children's Hospital in uh, Cleveland, Ohio. And I guess Steven Tyler was there doing his thing for part of that. And uh, yep. it was a big to-do. It was a big deal. It was, it was very well organized. The people that ran it were absolute professionals. And uh, it was thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyable. Absolutely fantastic. Well, it's cool that you got to be a part of that and that you, uh, you know, gave some time. I know of you only because of my bad company, Loving Days. Yeah. I watched a couple of your recent videos. Your voice kicks ass still. I'm, I'm actually pretty impressed that you can still belt it out with that kind of uh, stuff. <laughs> well, I'm not sure if I can do the stuff that I used to be able to do, but uh, I try. So I give it a good old English try, and if it works, then great. You know, I certainly don't quit. Well, what I've seen seems to work, so I don't know. You're you're one of these dudes that's been lucky. You clearly take care of your voice, and uh, I'm always impressed with these old-school rockers from the 70s and 80s that are still going out. Like, I had Martha Davis from the Motels on the show 
And I went and saw them in Santa Cruz on the boardwalk with my family. And if you close your eyes, just like with you, man, there ain't no difference. It's the same energy. It's the same love. It's the same music. I'm impressed that there's only a few things that a person can do in life that has such longevity. Yeah, I, I, I'm very lucky. I mean, but, but then again, I, I never got involved in the things that will hurt your voice. You know, I've never done cocaine. I've never done drugs. Day. I mean, I've smoked a little bit of pop here and there, but I mean, I don't do things to the detriment of my voice. So I, I tend to go to bed early. I don't, you know, I'm the consummate professional on the road. I don't mess around at all. So if that's helped to contribute to my longevity, then so be it. But uh, I, I do consider myself lucky because lots of people can't sing the way they used to be able to sing, you know? Well, you clearly have some control over that. Do you have some kind of a, a ritual or regiment? prior to uh, going out? No, not really. I don't warm up. Uh, the first song is my warm-up. So, no, nothing really. I just, uh, I guess I am somewhat lucky. I mean, some singers have to warm up for an hour before a show. I mean, I think I'd lose interest if I had to do that. You're also, what you said is, you're not doing things that wreck your voice. So, just the fact that you're not right. doing anything to damage your vocal cords. Yeah, I guess. See, the thing is with me is that Ever since I was a little boy at four years old, I wanted to do this, and I want to be able to do it to the best that I can do it. Every show is a challenge for me. I, I, I like the challenge of just see if I can get through this show without singing one bum note. You know, I, I love that challenge, and I like to push myself. I love every aspect of my business. I love doing interviews. I love to travel. I love to get to the show. I like to be backstage. I like to do... You know, all the things that are associated. I, I am lucky. I'm 65, and I'm still able to do this. It's, it's really quite amazing. Are you ready? Go! I got a new fascination, and it's all about you. There's a chance to be taken And I don't know what to do Ever since I met you You've been playing on my mind I'm like a poet with a good view Yeah, but nothing seems to rhyme Ever since I met you There's nothing I can do
Yeah, and I think the fact that you love what you do so much probably makes it easier for you to maintain this because it's pure enjoyment. You're still knee-deep in the hoopla. You're still having a really great time, and you can see that when you're out there strutting around. You're still a badass rocker, and uh, I think age is somewhat irrelevant. I hope so. I hope to continue doing this for a few more years. You know, um, I don't anticipate me stopping, but you never know. Being 65, you know, I, I don't know if I want to be doing it when I'm 70 something, you know. I hope there's other people that can come through and carry the torch by the time I'm 75. That's crazy to even think that if you chose to do that, guys that love what they do and take care of themselves, you know, the ceiling is only based on the individual. I mean, I think people are blown away when people like Mick Jagger and these types of personalities still throw down, still can get out there and do a show. I mean, muscle memory certainly helps so you don't have to remember a lot. Yeah. And you've got those songs just burned into your psyche. So you just really have to show up and uh, hope you don't drop dead on stage, really. Yeah, true. True enough, yeah. The Stones are a strange phenomenon, I mean, but they just seem to be timeless, you know. There aren't many bands like that. You could say Foreigner are a band like that, but of course they're not, because they've hardly got an original member. It's like, just crazy. I, I don't like all these bands that change all their members, you know. It's just nuts. It's just the money-making ching, ching, ching. That's all it is. Call it something else or do something different. Yeah. Uh, Foreigner's my one pet peeve, because... When I joined Bad Company, if they had told me you've got to try and copy Paul Rogers, I'd have told him to fuck off, you know? But the foreigner boy, oh my God, it's a very pale imitation, but that's what it is. He's imitating someone, and that's not what singers do. Real singers have their own thing, and they go out and fucking do it.
that's what you do. That's what you did. That's what you keep doing. And it's cool that people still come out. You've got that thing. Your new music, by the way, is quite good. Your stuff doesn't sound like it's got any kind of time prohibition on it. It's still fresh. It still sounds good. Good band that you're working with. And I'm happy that you're still going. Oh, me too, man. My band this year is the best band I've ever had by, by quite a way. They're very inspirational. They push me. And that's what I've been needing for a long time, people to push me. I normally have to push the band, you know. And uh, it's an all-round better show, I'm pretty convinced. You know, and like I say, I, I love my job, so uh, I can't wait for the next show.
from England. Where were you born? Where were you brought up? I was born and brought up in a little seaside town called Portsmouth, and that's on the south coast of England. It's not really famous for much apart from um, being the home of the British Navy. What was it like growing up there? It was tough. It's a tough naval town, and unless you had a particular talent, i.e. sport or music, or you wanted to join the Navy or work in the dockyard, that was your four options, really. I mean, not much else goes on in Portsmouth, and it's still like that now. But I wanted to be a singer, so I strove to do that. And a few of my friends wanted to be soccer stars, and a couple of them made that. You know, it's, it's a small naval town with a bad attitude. How did that mold your attitude? I'm a fighter. I like to fight. I don't like, you know, if someone says I can't do something, I like to disprove that. And it's given me a hard upbringing, I'm sure. It's fighting and uh, it was just a tough town to grow up in. Were you fighting a lot in school? Uh, Luckily, I didn't have to fight too much because nobody really wanted to touch me. I was kind of lucky in that respect. What was it that you think kept you from that kind of a life? I think just my attitude. I came across pretty tough, I think, and people didn't really want to get involved in fifty cuffs with me, which was advisable for them. I don't go out looking for trouble, but I'll finish it if I have to. Was your dad a tough guy? Yeah, my dad and my cousins, they all love to fight. You know, if if a fight broke out in a pub, we'd all be going at it. So it's one of those rough hounds where fighting was part of the evenings out, you know. Yeah. Was your father in the Navy? No, my father was a top-class welder, and he helped build some of the ships in the dockyard. He was also a singer. He wanted to be a singer desperately, but once he had me and my sister, that kind of got curtailed. So he kept it going. He still played in clubs and stuff until he was in his 50s. So he he was a good singer, too, a crooner, one of the old crooners, you know. Uh, Is your mom gone? Yeah, she left us in 2.13. And you don't really think of your parents as being old, or at least I didn't. I didn't think my dad was that old. He died when he was 87, and I didn't think that was very old. He didn't seem old to me, you know. Were they healthy? Uh, no, they both died, really, from lung diseases. One had COPD, and the other one had pulmonary fibrosis. Were they smokers? Yes, yeah, they yeah. stopped 20, 30 years ago. Even being as healthy as people are nowadays, there's toxins that you can't right. get away from unless you walk around with a mask on. I know. It's not, man. We think we're an intelligent race. Uh, That's how stupid we are, that we think we're intelligent. Yeah. How'd you do in school? I didn't have much interest in school. I wanted to experience things and not just learn things from books. I just wasn't interested in much. I liked history. I liked music. I liked English. But that was it. I knew that that wasn't going to be my future anyway. I didn't need to do anything other than just sing. And I knew that from a very young age. I knew that I was going to be a singer. And it just took a bit of perseverance to, to pull it together. There was never a doubt in my mind. Never a doubt in my mind. And I don't know why that was. I just knew it. See me 
Was your dad playing music in the house? No, my dad actually left when I was about four. So I didn't really have any influence music-wise until the Beatles came along. Was that right after your dad left? Yeah, pretty much. Well, that's interesting, don't you think? Yeah. My first concert as an adult, well, I say adult, I was 16, was Ozzy Osbourne and Black Sabbath just before their first record came out. And they had driven in a Ford Transit van from Germany traveled overnight, got to the gig. 
unloaded the van themselves, carried in their equipment over their shoulders, their PA system over their shoulders, and went into a back room, changed their clothes, came back out, and played for about two hours. It was amazing. I mean, they were heavy. Oh, my goodness, were they a heavy band. And uh, that was my first real rock and roll show, you know. What year was that? I want to say that might have been 70, 1970, okay. early 70. Wow, so that's before they hit. That's crazy that you got to see that show. Yeah, yeah. And did you try and meet Ozzy? I remember you saying something about you approached him. Well, in my dreams, I would have met him at that point. Okay. Of course, he wasn't. He was just in a band that I went to see at the Students' Union. I was too young to be a student, but I got in. And uh, I was shouting up to him, let me come up and sing. He couldn't hear me. It's silly of me, really, but... I was so keen, man. I, I wanted to be on stage. Everywhere I went, I wanted to be on the stage. When were you in your first band? And how long did that band last? Flying High lasted about a year, that's all. After that, in 76, I moved to Lingfield in Surrey and joined a band with two brothers called the Fairbrass Brothers. And uh, we were together for just over a year. And that's when we started writing songs. I, I really started to write better songs during that time frame and uh but we rehearsed and we rehearsed and we rehearsed and we were ready to play shows but we never did a show we never played a show and in the end i got bored with that and then the band went on the two brothers went on and became right said fred which is very odd then i went back to portsmouth for a few weeks and i got a phone call from uh, a guy in a band called white spirit who were a northern heavy metal. They were basically a copy of Deep Purple. And they were looking for a singer, so I said I'd come up and try out for them, and I joined them for a while. But that, that again, didn't satisfy me, because, well, we weren't very good, to be honest with you. We weren't very good at all. Everything about them was a bit shifty. You know, it's just not, it's not a, a very professional unit. So I left them and went back to Portsmouth again, and then I got a phone call from Doug Banker, the manager of Ted Nugent. And that was in 1983, offering me a job singing for Ted, which was odd because I'd never really heard of Ted being English. You know, he wasn't a huge name in England. Well, he was huge here. Um, yeah, and I had to go out and buy his records and listen to him. And, you know, it was a bit wild. A bit yeah. Wild. He's a wild dude. Yeah, he's, he's the crazy one. He's a big game hunter. He does all kinds of crazy shit. Yeah, it's a strange dichotomy. I I love the guy, but there's some things that I really don't agree with. And I don't know, he's kind of, I don't know. It makes me a hypocrite, very much a hypocrite, because I do eat meat. I eat chicken, I eat fish, but I wouldn't want to kill him. We eat meat because it tastes good. We don't eat meat for any other reason. It tastes good. That's not enough reason for me to watch people with chainsaws cut animals up. I just can't do it anymore. And I've eaten meat for over 50 years. I've had enough meat. I'm good. Okay, how did it go down that you ended up uh, being the lead singer for Bad Company? Well, that was while I was staying at Ted Nugent's house and uh, up in uh, Jackson, Michigan. And the phone went and Ted picked it up and he said, oh, it's Brian, it's somebody for you. And it was Mick Jones from Foreigner, who I'd known for years. And he said, what are you doing up there? And I said, well, we're just putting together a new record. And I'm just going to put some songs together. And he said, you, you don't want to be doing that, Brian. You want to be doing something else. I've got something for you if you're interested. 
I thought, what is that? He said, well, Nick Ralphs and Simon Kirk used to have a band called Bad Company, and they, they want to put a new band together. I said, oh, that's somewhat interesting, you know. He said, come down to New York next weekend, and uh, they'll be there, and you can get together with them and meet with them. And I'm, but I think you three would be really good together. So I made my excuses to Ted and said I was going down to New York just for a break, you know. So I flew down. And, uh, stayed at the Mayflower Hotel, which sadly is no longer there. And that's where we initially met in the bar at the Mayflower Hotel. And, uh, they wanted me to, to be a writer, which was the thing that really appealed to me more than anything else. They wanted me to be involved in writing the songs for the new album. And I have to admit though, if I had known that we were going to call it Bad Company from that moment, I probably wouldn't have taken the gig. We, we were going to call ourselves a new band, you know, some, some new name, which I think they didn't really want to do that, but I think for me, it might have been better. But, you know, there's a lot of water under the bridge now. But anyway, so we, we got together and we talked about it and I said, all right, I'm in. I'll fly back to London from here. I called Ted up and told Ted that I wasn't coming back and he wasn't very happy. Were you writing songs for him? We were going to start the new record. We'd made one record called Penetrator and we were going to start work on the next one at his house. That's what I was doing up at his house. And then Nick called and said, don't do that, don't do that, do this, do this. And Nick was always a guiding light for me because he was the top of the tree. He knew what to do and how to do things. And uh, so I took his advice and joined what became Bad Company. Good love and go
it was a hard grind because the first record came out called Fame and Fortune, which wasn't terribly well received. We did get booked on tours. We opened up the Deep Purple. We did some little club dates around the States on days off. But that record didn't do terribly well. I think the main problem was we made the record without thinking we were going to be called Bad Company. And it was only towards the end of the recording process when we were wrapping the record up that Atlantic Records called and said, look, guys, do you have a good name? And we didn't. We, had, we couldn't find any name that really all of us liked. And they said, well, how about if we give you an extra $300,000 and you call yourself Bad Company? So they bribed you? Yeah. Finally went, yeah. So that's what it was going to be. You were with them for 10 years? Knocking on the door 10 years. Yeah. It was a very strange band to be in because, you know, the leader of the band was Mick Ralph. And he wanted to go down this softer route, softer music and stuff. And it's like, well, this, this isn't bad company, you know. We need to toughen it up. So when it came to the next record, I began to work with Terry Thomas, the producer. And he and I worked on a few songs on the pretense of only writing three songs for the record. And it ended up we wrote about, well, nearly all the record, really. I mean, apart from a couple of two or three songs. But that wasn't by design. That was just because the other two guys couldn't be bothered to write any songs. So we kind of, by default, we had the majority of the songwriting on that, which was odd, you know, but uh, but there we go. But you enjoyed that, right? I was just happy writing songs. And, right. Uh, it was the record labels that were really choosing the songs for the albums. And they were choosing the songs that Terry and I wrote and not Mick Ralph's songs. And that pissed off Mick Ralph's. I mean, to be honest with you, he, he wasn't happy at all. And, uh, and I get that. I mean, I understand. It was his band. And suddenly, he's not the flavor, if you like. Right. But it wasn't malicious on my part. I was just doing what I was told to do. Go away, write your songs, come back and present them. And Mick didn't want to write with me. Simon can't write. Simon's not a writer. So... It was just a weird thing. Nick knew what money could be brought in from songs, so he wanted to write them on his own. You know, I didn't care. I wanted to write with people. Because I think songwriting can be very beneficial when there's two or three writers. I think it's fantastic when you get three people molding one particular thing. It can be very interesting, and probably more interesting than it would be if it was a sole person. There are exceptions to the rule, of course. I mean, there's Jackson Brown, who's a genius. There's... uh David Bowie, of course. There are lots of people that can do it on their own, but I think I benefit more from writing with other people. And, and apart from that, I don't play an instrument particularly well, so I would be limited to what I could do melodically by my chord knowledge, which is not very good. You've got your own instrument. Well, i got my voice. Yeah. That's what I'm talking yeah. about. Yeah. How many albums did you guys produce? We did four studio albums and a live album. And you wrote on all of them, yeah? I did. Yeah, I wrote on all of them. Okay. And, uh, as I grew longer in the tooth in the band, like on the last studio record I made with them was called Here Comes Trouble. And I think I wrote more on that than even the Holy Water. Satisfy me 
band was really quite broken at that point, but they'll blame me for trying to control the band and take over everything and all the rest of the stuff. And I was difficult to work with. I wasn't. I was just getting on with my job, and they didn't want to do that. So they found that really difficult, you know. So I did see your drummer not say very nice things about you. Well, in actual fact, that drummer should actually sit down and think for a second because I kept his career going for 10 years and he hasn't got the graciousness to even acknowledge that. In fact, on the Bad Company website, there is no mention of any record I made with them, which I think is sacrilege and I think it's disrespectful, not just to me, but to Bad Company fans. And it just shows their character, you know? It just shows that they're not the nicest people in the world. Well, that's too bad. But you're still going. That's all that matters. Yeah, I'm like the Energizer Bunny. I'll keep going. Yeah, that's very impressive, dude. I'm happy to hear that. Your dad was working as a welder. What was your mom doing? Was she a full-time mom, or did she have to work, too? Full-time mom. She had a part-time job. She worked in a little pie shop just around the corner at the end of the road. But she was a, a homekeeper, really, housekeeper. Yeah. And she spent a lot of time with you guys. Yeah, I mean, as, as much time as she could. I mean, she did have to work every now and again, but yeah. uh, not a problem, you know. Apparently, we were quite poor. I didn't realize that at the time, but that's good, too. That's, that's a good upbringing. Is your sister yeah. older or younger than you? She's five years younger. And what's she doing? She's traveling around in a motorhome right now because she wants it a year away from Key West. And uh, she and her husband are now... Somewhere, I think they're in Memphis, somewhere today, driving around the country, just taking it all in, and then they'll go back to their house in Key West and uh, settle down again. You've done a bunch of that with your chosen life, right? Yeah, I've been everywhere, man, but I don't remember being anywhere. You know, it's, it's weird, because when I go to work, I go to work. I don't go there to safety. I don't go there to do anything other than get on stage and work. And... Uh, Maybe I need to take myself a little less seriously every now and again, you know, and just relax. I find it very hard to do when I'm on the road. Well, that's because you got to get on the road without being on the road. Fun. Yeah. Don't you take any vacations? No, no. If I go anywhere, I go down to Guatemala and I help out with the animal rescue down there or do what I can down there. I'm not one for real vacation-y vacation holidays, you know, I like I need a break. I'd like to get away and just relax and do nothing for 10 days or something. But I know me. I'd be stir-crazy within two. Have you been to Thailand? I went to Thailand, yeah. I went about five years ago, and it was fantastic. What did you do there? I stayed in Bangkok. Smartest thing I did, I hired through a friend of mine, a guide, a local woman that took me places that tourists don't go. And I went down these places and found these hidden cafes and restaurants and, and things that tourists didn't go to. It was just the locals. And it was absolutely amazing. I just went for shits and giggles just to experience it. And I loved it. I mean, I really did. I loved it. So, have you ever been married? Yeah. When did you get married? 1983. Ah, me too. Yeah. How long did you stay married? Uh, seven years. You literally are a cliche. Really? Well, yeah, the seven-year itch. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's true. I made it through almost four seven-year itches. Oh, boy. I didn't do well, but I still made it. I mean, I went 26 years. Seven would have been about the right yeah. amount of time to stop, but then I wouldn't have the children that I have, so it all worked out just fine. Yeah. I've got two with my first wife and one with a girlfriend uh, 23 years ago. And how old are your children? 
Michael was born in 84. Corbett was born in 87. So I, I don't know what that makes them. They're in their 30s. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And where do they live? They live about half an hour from me. And uh, we see each other quite regularly. Nice. My son's over a lot. He's got a daughter now, so I'm having to learn how to be a granddad. How's that? It doesn't sit too easy with me, but I mean, you know, <laughs> I guess I'm old enough to be a granddad, so I better start acting like one, huh? How old is your grandchild? She's three. And you're not just all completely in love, crazy, head over heels, ridiculous about it? Yeah, I am. I am. But uh, it's still a bit foreign to me, you know? It's just, I don't know. I'm not very terribly domesticated. I understand. Was your dad and your mother very demonstrative? Not really. That era was very strange in parenting. So did your dad come back after he bailed out at four? Towards the end of his life, yeah. When he was about 55, he came back, lived in Portsmouth. So we saw a lot more of each other then, yeah. So he missed out on such a whole part of his life, and he missed out on a lot of my life, you know. Yeah. It's just that. Yeah. Your girlfriend has a child. How old is that child? 21. How's that going? Um, I don't see much of her because she lives in London. She's a model. She travels from London to L.A. to Madrid. It's kind of like your old life, yeah? It really is, yeah. She's in with the L.A. crowd. She's in with the London crowd, you know. All these top models are all friends of hers, and they all hang out, go to parties, and do their social life shit. Yeah, it's interesting, but, you know, it's yeah. a bit blasé for me now. All yeah, of stuff. course. So you're a grandpa, your kids are all healthy and happy, and uh, you sound like a homebody. You like being at home, don't you? I do like being at home, very much so. I like a quiet life when I'm home. I don't want to be bothered. In fact, I live on a little island right now called Fort Myers Beach, which is five miles long with one road on, one road off. And it's becoming a little bit populated now, a bit too built up for me. So I'm, I'm moving, and I'm looking for some property on the outskirts of Nashville. Oh. Um, so I want to get out in the country or on a lake and uh, become a hermit. That's a fantastic idea. Hey, man, if I didn't have to do anything much, I wouldn't do much. Less is more for me. Yeah, I'm good just being by myself. I actually enjoy it. Of course, I get bored every now and again, as does everybody. But uh, I can keep myself occupied. I've got seven dogs, parrots, <laughs> and... Uh, the house is quite big, so I've got to keep on top of that, which I've failed to do with great regularity. <laughs> um, but apart from that, yeah, I, I just live a quiet, homebody life. I'm actually very boring when I'm not working. I'm not sure I'm that exciting when I'm working. Everything is about context. Put you on stage with musicians, you're a whole nother dude. Yeah, it's, it's really odd, actually. I, I'm not sure that I like that other guy that I am. I don't like his overconfidence, and uh, I don't like the way he walks out on a stage and thinks he owns the place, you know. He can be an asshole sometimes, you know, and I don't think I like him very much, but he's the guy that has to be there to do what he does. And once those lights have gone down, the other guy shows up again, and I like him.
maybe the older you get, the harder it is to separate you two like that. Yeah, I think that's about right. I mean, if I'm not on stage or doing what I do, I don't have an ego. I'm just normal. Anyone that knows me here on the island, a lot of them don't even know what it is I do. It's odd. But once we get off the plane and turn up at a venue, this other guy turns up as well. And uh, like I say, he's not all bad. He does some good things for people. But he's got more ego than I would like to deal with. Have you ever gone on stage and kind of dismissed him a little bit and tried to do it through you? Yeah, the acoustic shows are, are more natural because there's no volume. It's right. much more personal. And so uh, I've got more time to talk to the audience and to, and to, if you like, get to know them a little bit better. And it's a bit different from a rock and roll show. So, yeah, I'm hoping to come out and be more of a quieter personality for them to, to get to grips with. You were ripping on your guitar player, and that shit was funny. I could not believe how hard you were ripping on him. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> I still do that with band members. They all take turns at hearing it from me. It's fun. It's very funny, and the audience obviously loves it. You actually look very comfortable doing that. You really look comfortable insulting your band members. I love sarcasm. I think sarcasm, when it's done right, is really funny. I think it's incredibly funny. Some people think it's the lowest form of humor. I don't. I think to do it right, intellectually, it's much smarter than a lot of things. So I totally agree. If it wasn't for sarcasm, I'd have nothing. I love sarcasm. Yeah. As a matter of fact, you're reminding me of uh, Lemmy from Motorhead. Lemmy was a very smart, funny cat. Yeah, he was. I actually had his son, Paul, on the show a few months ago. Yeah, I went out for a lunchtime drink with Lemmy once. I don't know how it happened, but I think we were in London, and he introduced me to this weird concoction drink that he used to drink. It was cider, beer, and something else in one glass. I think he called it snake bite or something. Well, I think I had three, and I don't remember saying goodbye to him. <laughs> he was a fucking drinker, that boy. Yeah. You know where his statue is, don't you? No. It's inside the rainbow. They had an unveiling, I don't know, a few months ago. Because he used to take that seat in the corner in the rainbow. Yeah. And he lived right around the corner. Yeah. They built a life-size bronze statue, and it's right in the rainbow. It's super cool. Wow. I used to him in the rainbow quite a lot. Quite a lot. Did you ever play at the Whiskey or the Roxy? No, never did. But I used to go to the rainbow a lot. If I was, you know, on tour, we were close to L.A., I'd fly in just to go to the rainbow and get a room there at the hotel and uh, stay close to the rainbow. It was just a fun place to be. Yeah. Right around what time? Oh, I was hanging out there, 86, 88, 89. I thought it was a fantastic place. Yeah. All the girls that used to walk around and parade, try to get picked up. It was fantastic. That two-block radius was rock and roll, man. Yeah, yeah. So what are you doing today besides kicking it? How far are you from the beach? I live on the beach. How long have you been in this residence? 30 years. Yeah, you're due for a change. Damn right. Yeah. yeah. I like the idea of going down south there by the whole other music scene. Yeah, Nashville. Yeah, Nashville That's kicks ass. There's always going to be something going on down there. Yeah, the city's growing real quick, too. So I don't want to be in the city. I want to be on the outskirts in the country. Yeah, you just go visit. That's what I'm looking at. Yeah, cool, man. And you've got a new song coming out. What's that called? Well, I've got several songs coming out. If you're talking about the song that is loosely entitled right now, because it's really not sort of firm title, but it's probably going home. Yeah. yeah. 
that's the weird song because I, I wrote that two or three weeks before I had my heart attack. So it's been pretty hard to, to listen to it because it was a vocal that I know I was very proud of at the time. But the subject matter was of me trying to imagine what somebody's thinking when they know they're dying. So it's kind of, yeah, kind of weird. You know, it's kind of, um, it's a bit freaky for me to hear it because three weeks after I wrote it and sang it, I was dead. And luckily they managed to bring me back. not an original story of somebody trying to either convince you to go or telling you it's not time and sending you back. I think it's just you have more things to do. Well, that's a good point. I'm uh, writing another batch of songs and trying to do as much as I can to write enough songs to leave stuff behind, you know. And uh, But again, I don't write songs just for the sake of writing songs. I, I tend to not write a song for two or three years. And then I decide that I'm going to write an album or an EP. And then I do it. I've got a catalog of maybe, gosh, I don't know, a hundred songs. I don't know. That's a lot of songs, man. It's still prolific. I'm glad that you have your health and you're still going out there and rocking your ass off. I enjoy it. I'm going to go and feed my dogs now. I've all jumped up next to me knowing that it's dinner time. Five o'clock is dinner time, so okay. they're half an hour late. They know more than I do. Tell them I'm sorry, and it was all worth it for human entertainment. <laughs> you got it, buddy. Great talking to you. You too, man. Hi, Mark. It's Rich Reese. Hi, Rich Reese. How are you today? I'm pretty chill, man. How are you? You sound very chill. I am very monotone today. Why are you so monotone, Richie Rich, Rich, Richer Rich? I don't know. I'm going to do a big hit of rape in a second. Is that the shit that you blow in your nose? Spiritual cocaine, my friend. Ah, spiritual cocaine. Now, what is that called again? Rape. Rape. How do you spell that? Like rape. <laughs> oh, good. 
You're in Moscow, Russia. No, 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 no. I'm still in the United States of America, but there is a town in the state of Idaho called Moscow, not Moscow. Oh, I've been to Moscow. I spent a whole week there one night. Oh. I was there with the Janks, with the Zemed brothers back in 2009, I think. Oh, right, when they were the Janks. Speaking of the Zemed brothers, evidently I totally blew it. You did. You totally blew it. You were VIP all the way, brother. And of course, we're talking about the Zemed Brothers' hugely popular act, the Everly Brothers Experience. Where did they play? University of Washington in Pullman. Oh, so they played like 10 minutes from me. Yeah. How'd the show go, did they say? Oh, it was fantastic, yeah. Son of a bitch. Hey, Rich, I've been gone how long now? Like two weeks, three weeks? Wow. Has it been three weeks? I think so. Something like that. Okay. What's happening in Ashland since I've left? Anything exciting? The same and the same. Is there smoke? Is there no smoke? Smoke is on and off, mostly off. Oh, good. God, things are getting back to normal. The air is cooling down. It's starting to feel like fall a little bit. I went to the Brit Festival the other night. It was like 40 degrees out. Who was at the Brit Festival? Culture Club. You mean Boy George? Yeah, Boy George. How was the show? Well, you know, my buddy plays in the band. He was great, but gosh, his voice is not what it used to be. Not, not so good. Oh. It was sad because I really loved Culture Club, and it was, uh, they were, you know, they, they were pioneers of the, the new wave, gender bender, you know, you name it. They were, they were at the cutting edge, but they just, uh, just weren't so good. Oh, that's too bad. God bless them for trying, you know? Don't you have a new, you're doing some kind of TV show or cooking thing? Oh! Episode two comes out tomorrow. What's this thing? The no. shaman ramen? The vegan hoodie? What? The vegan shaman. The vegan shaman. It's about a, you know, a 10 minute show where I make one dish, easy to make and healthy. And I have a musical guest on the show. Oh, cool. And it's basically in the kitchen with my buddies. We shot episode two on location in, in uh, Tucson, Arizona. We did a Southwestern edition. Oh, and where did you shoot it? My mom's kitchen. Cool. Is your mom on the show or did you kick her out of the house? Dylan's the producer. He wouldn't allow any walk-ons. Okay. He runs a tight ship. Who was your guest? My guest was Burley Drummond Jr. Who's that? Well, his father is in the legendary 70s band Ambrosia. And Burley Drummond Jr. plays drums with Zach and Dylan. The Everly Brothers Experience. So how'd it go? It was great. What did you make? I made vegan Southwestern Taco Bowl. What was in it? Tempe from Tempe, Arizona. Oh, that's very funny. But I'm bump starting. Oh, yeah, it was great. It was really healthy. It was fun, and uh, we had some stick, and uh, you know, the whole thing is quite tongue in cheek, as you know. Yeah. How can people check out your show, The Vegan Shaman? Well, you can go to YouTube, type in The Vegan Shaman. Yeah. You can go to Facebook and do The Vegan Shaman. I just got it up and going, and we'll see where it goes, man. I believe in it, and. Uh, We'll see what happens. How cool is that? You may have something there. Thank you. We shot episode three last Thursday. Who's on episode three? Episode three is our good friend, Bert Belke. He's an amazing guitar player singer. Bert Belke? Is that made up? Yes. No, Bert Belke. Wasn't he the dentist? Epi- <laughs> I think you're thinking on Curb. The dentist's name was uh, Bert Bondi. Bert Bondi. That's right. He gave Larry a couple of chiclets for front teeth. Bert Bondi! <laughs> oh, that was when Ted Danson's daughter smacked Larry in the face with a baseball bat, sort of accidentally. Yeah. Bert Bondi. That's funny. Uh-huh. 
I gotta say, Rich, I've missed you. I've been away. I'm in another state. So I didn't even know you were gone. I didn't even notice. Okay, well, that's maybe part of the reason I left. <laughs> I'm just going with the flow and letting things unfold the way the universe wants it to. Okay. Okay. Hey, you know who's going to be on my show? Who? Someone you were aware of through Franny McFran, Franken- Frankenstein. Oh, you got Mr. Brian Howe, don't you? Oh, you know I do. So Brian Howe's a very nice man and uh, should be a fun show. Are you doing dishes? No, I'm I'm making some pesto. Oh, oh man, I love your pesto. Oh. All right, well, I wanted to check in with you. I'm out here in the middle of nowhere and uh, I feel a little disconnected from my people. So thanks for uh, getting on the show with me there, Rich Reese. Sure, man, you got it. Okay, you too, bye-bye. that's the show. I hope you enjoyed it. It was very cool to be able to talk to Brian Howe, the former lead singer of the band Bad Company. Love that band. I remember going to Northridge Skateland on Wednesday nights and I looked forward to hearing some Bad Company so I could pretend that I skated well and I could impress the girls with my fake good skating. If you want to find out more about Brian, his schedule, what's going on with him, you can check him out at brianhow.com, B-R-I-A-N-H-O-W-E.com, or check him out on Facebook. Brian has been nominated for an HMMA award for uh, Hot Tin Roof, and of course the HMMA is the Hollywood Music and Media Award, so cool on you, Brian. Go, go, Gadget. Hope you get it. He'll find out if he gets it on November 14th, which is only five days shy of my birthday. He's going to get this HMMA. I wanted to mention a couple of things. I saw this incredible Netflix original documentary called Wild Wild Country. I'm not going to tell you much about it, but it was an international phenomena based on uh, incredible things that were happening in the state of Oregon in the early 80s. I'm just gonna say, go check it out. I'm not gonna spoil anything. Check it out, wild, wild country. I wanna thank my mom and dad for coming on the show. I wanna thank Rich Reese for coming on the show. I wanna thank you for listening to the show. It's fun to do show number two out of Moscow, Idaho. Citizen 44 with Mark Ahrensberg is a listener-supported presentation. Thank you so much for your support. I appreciate that you you hang in there with me and and share this experience. It's my honor, of course, to bring these individuals to you and share information wherever I may find it with the people who are willing to give it up. Citizen 44 with Mark Ahrensberg can be heard at ahrensberg.com. Also, CastBox and iTunes, even Stitchers. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great rest of your week. Bye-bye. Thank you, Sam, Zoe, and Val. If whatever you're doing is not working, there's only one way you can change that, and that's to change what you do, 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 change what you do. I am Citizen 44.